They say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And whoever said that didn't see these movies. That's right. It's another body horror show on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer What? What's up, peeps? Welcome to another squishy and oozy episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am your host, Insane Mike. This is show 301. Dudes, we're on our way to 400. Yeah, we're almost there. And we are going to do another body horror show. Yes, we're going to be talking about movies within the body horror subgenre. We got some wackadoodle films this time around, I'll tell you that. So this is going to be a weird one because we won't be talking about any David Cronenberg films. Weird. Weird. I but don't know you how had I feel to about that. At least mention him. Yeah, you got to get his name in there somewhere, right? When you're talking body horror. Now, if this is your first time listening to our show, Attack of the Killer Podcast is a horror movie podcast where a group of friends get together and talk about our love of horror films. We pick a topic. We discuss films within that topic. We're all just friends hanging out. So we speak openly, freely. So there's probably going to be spoilers. I'm not going to apologize for it. Don't. If you like the show, won't you consider joining our Patreon? We here at Attack of the Killer Podcast work hard for your money. Not only does all your money go back into building a bigger and better show, but you also become an attacker and as part of the Attack of the Killer Podcast family. We provide you with more perks and content than a lot of other podcast patrons. I'm just saying. You get bonus episodes, YouTube shows, invited to our watch parties, our monthly horror hangouts, uh, ex- our exclusive chats called Attack of the Killer Chat. You can get original art by me, you know, membership card sticker and uh, uh, certificates. I'm telling you, that's just the tip of the iceberg. So check out all of those awesome perks at jointheattackers.com. There you can pick the tier of your choice to get the stuff that you want and become an attacker like these amazing people right here. Like Timothy Linnerer, Roman Doppelfeld, Larry Watanabe, Brett J. Royer, Seth Key, Jessica Irish, Chris Cook, Brian Godsill, Stephen Sitter, Brandy Moore, Andrew Moeller, Rod Hutchinson, Carmen DeHaig, Abraham Arino, Andrew Bentler, Casey Kelderman, Tony Miller, Mike Clayton, Rose Talashoma, Abe Kirshner, Lisa Cavalier, Hollyberg, Bill Fisher, Emily, Randolph, Greg Diedrich, and Dallas Paris. What a list. It's an amazing list of amazing people. It's simply amazing. Now that site again is jointheattackers.com. Become an attacker today. And now it is time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He will understand why no one would use a spoon instead of a knife to gouge someone's eyes out. He says because spoons are pointless. Jason. Ah, <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, I'm, I'm pro spoon all the way. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Glad you're here. Are you the big spoon or the little spoon? Always, yes. 
He's helping the headless horseman find a job so he can get ahead in life. Tad. <laughs> At least it was quick. Hey guys. <laughs> awesome. So speaking of Tad, here's Tad with what we watched. no secret that we're getting closer to the end of the year so i know we're all trying to get in on those new horror movies but i'm pretty bad this year at sticking to that but uh i'm curious what have you watched jason oh man um i've been going to town super focused watching almost a show a night a movie a night look at you I know. As long as, as long as I can stay ahead of Mike on the count, that's all that matters. <laughs> uh, one that didn't or isn't on the list. I did stray away Tad style once, once, and I watched Blue Beetle. I was really excited oh, about that. Oh, that just came up. Yeah, I, I need to watch it. I freaking loved it, man. I mean, I always do, you know, but uh, I loved it. It was a great story. Um, great bringing in the Mexican heritage into it. Um, never said this before, but George Lopez was awesome. <laughs> he was, once you see him, man, I, I'm sure you've seen the trailers, but yeah, it just, wasn't too woke. Uh, the movie itself. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think, I mean, Good, he, he pushed I, I it. Think, I think people were, uh, ranting in their trucks at their phones about this movie. Whoa. Why? Because it's too woke, man. It's it's a, it's aware of its um, Hispanic heritage, and that makes white men angry. Oh, okay, that makes okay. sense. Oh well, because George Lopez is over the fucking top, man. It's amazing, and it's very much <laughs> very Mexican movie, which was awesome because you don't get that, and it was so great. And again, did I mention George Lopez was so over the top? He was hilarious. He had like the craziest mullet and the, but I don't know. He was great. And I just want to say though, real quick, uh, to throw it in here too, as far as all that goes, I mean, that's, that's the character since day one with Jaime. It's always been about the, you know, Hispanic heritage and, and, and all of that. So awesome. It's not like it's forced in or anything. Right. The forced in part was Susan Sarandon trying to play a billionaire mogul of a tech company. Oh, no. Is she the worst part, you're saying? Maybe. I mean, I think she did fine. No, I do, too. And I think she did fine. It's just just one of those things didn't. I mean, she stood out like a sore thumb, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Jaime was awesome. I really liked the, that kid playing him. Um, and yeah, the family was awesome. Yeah, it was really good. And I, really solid. And I, I don't know any Blue Beetle, uh, lore. I don't, I'm not a comic book guy, but, um. Well, I assume, I mean, from what I've seen in the trailers, they hint at the history, but I feel like the history is probably too rich by the time we get to Jaime's character. Because it's a, uh, what do they call that, a um, uh, generational character where there's been other Blue Beetles before him. Mm. 
and all of it kind of plays into his origin. So uh, I'd imagine they had to skip a lot of that, but it felt like based on the trailer and based on, you know, cheating by looking at IMDb and stuff that uh, uh, there's nods to that history in there. Okay. All right. Just saying. Yeah. Was there any, any, uh, like Beatles songs in the soundtrack? Moving on. Different kind of Beatle. No, I don't, I don't think so. I don't remember this score in any way. I mean, that's good. I mean, it's like, it's like when they play Iron Man by Black Sabbath in the Iron Man movie. It's just like, that's low hanging fruit. Two on the nose. Yeah. Um, I, gosh, I have this giant list of films here and I want to talk about them all, but I will in a few episodes for the, well, this is what I was thinking. If this, if this helps you guys with, uh, the movies you're watching for the year end or the ones I'm going to bring up that other ones in what we watched are going to be the ones I know are not going to make my top 10. Uh, If that helps. uh, I don't want to talk about that one. (laughs) I don't want to talk about that that one um yikes i did watch i did i'm um, all caught up on invincible that's going well the new season of invincible yeah is going. i just started watching that this week that's as good as ever i mean it starts weird and you're, you're like very confused but i, I hate to <laughs> yeah you know if you don't know just a little bit of the multiverseness is in there so you're watching uh the wrong version at first. So you're like, what the fuck is happening? Sorry. That spoils maybe the opening, but, uh, um, it's awesome. Um, I did watch the first two episodes of Monarch. The Godzilla show. Yeah. 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 That's an Apple TV show though, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So I'll never see it. That's the best streamer out there. Mm. Um, loved it. Although I was, uh, I'll be honest. I, I need to rewatch them because those two hours were the two hours before midnight on Friday when I was trying my hardest to stay up to to watch the Poltergeist premiere. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I made it only to find out that it wasn't the right fox. <laughs> I didn't have the right fox. Freaking so fox. Too many foxes. So I was in and out on that. It was great what I saw. And I, I mean, I loved it and I, I want to watch it again. Um, and then, uh, another show I'm I'm on Apple TV lessons in chemistry. I'm just loving the hell out of that. It's so great and so smart and, um, I love everything about it. That's great. I got Holly to watch it. That's good. Um, Brie Larson, man, big fan. And that's what I watched. Well, Mike, you were on our last bonus episode yeah. where we talked about what we watched. So you should have yeah. quite a bit. Let's hear it. I actually do, but uh, trying to ration because I'll know I'll hit. <laughs> I know I'll hit one of those moments again where I'm not watching anything. So I might I was, put it. What? Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, like when we were talking about earlier about like new movies. I was just gonna like if I watch something new, I was just gonna say you guys should watch this one, or you could probably pass on this one. Gotcha. But anyways, go ahead. Uh, um, But I'm going to start off with, uh, 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 actually got my butt to the theater, so that was great. Whoa. Uh, uh, Took Simon to see Five Nights at Freddy's, and it's good. I really liked it. Um, 
you know, I'm not the most involved in, I mean, I know just based on what Simon has told me over the years, that's my knowledge of the games and, um, and, uh, some of the background lore, uh, behind it. But it's, uh, from what I know of it, it's extremely truthful to all the gaming lore. And I'm just, I'm just really impressed that there was no, um, um, creative involvement in redesigning anything everything looks like it came right out of the video game from the animal animatronic characters uh to the uh to the pizzeria itself very very cool now <clears throat> i will say this this is my disclaimer for the film i feel like if you have zero knowledge of any of this i think you'll still enjoy the movie but go in realizing that I personally feel that the full biggest flaw of the movie is maybe relying a little too much on the fan base knowing the lore because or or because I know I think there's already a plan for like two or three other films in this franchise and leaving a lot of unanswered questions um, that would lead, lead into like the following films. Uh, there is a certain chain of events that basically set up the whole um, struggle for the main character that kind of seems a little on the convenience slash um, out of nowhere side, especially the reveal of the main baddie at the end. Felt a little, a little Pamela Voorhees to me, where it's like, Oh, this character out of left field. Uh, even though going into it, I instantly knew it was going to be that guy or girl. I'm not. I, no spoilers. So, so that's just my only warning with it. Otherwise, I think it's a lot of fun. It's pretty cool. Um, it it does a really cool job of giving you some kills, but maintaining that PG thirteen. Um, because there, there's one kill that's freaking awesome and it's very it's very texas chainsaw massacre and the fact that it's extremely gruesome without showing you anything and that's great i, I really appreciate them trying to go for it without having <coughs> without uh having to go for an r rating so well i've definitely wanted to i've been wanting to ask you knowing me take that into account please should, should I watch this or not? Because time is he, precious. As I, he just he just compared it to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, he, he didn't it compare it same, to. He said it was like the same movie, so you should watch it. That means I've already it, seen it. I don't need to watch it. He compared it to your favorite movie of all time. I I wondered if he was trying to get me to watch it. But like like I said, time is precious. We can I can only watch so many movies before we record our year end episode. Like, am I gonna like? Am I gonna like it? Is it gonna make my top ten? Well, it's not. I don't think it's going to make your top ten, but I don't think you're going to hate it. Okay. And oh man, yeah. I just I really fear knowing knowing your brain. <laughs> um, when I'm my disclaimer is going to be something that bothers you. Yeah. But, I've I've heard that from other fans and some people like. People on the forums, you know, the horror forums all were shitting on it. And they're like, I just 
like I didn't get it because I didn't. I, I just went into it blind, and I'm like, well, maybe it, it's you know, it's it's a fans movie, and I have uh, student ambassadors at the school I work at, and they I had them together for the first time last Friday, like let's all meet up and have pizza and get you guys get to meet each other. And they could not stop talking about it. Cause they all grew up. They're like it's Simon's really age. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Th- this is like their childhood and it finally got put into a game and they're just like, Oh my God, this guy, blah, blah, blah. And they're just like going on and on. And I'm like, you're, you guys talking about it makes me want to watch it less. So <laughs> I know. <laughs> so it's just a little scotch on the inside baseball. Maybe. But again, I, I, I feel like I know, I mean, I, I probably know leaps and bounds beyond what you two know about this franchise, but I feel like I know very little, and more <laughs> importantly, could care even less about this franchise. Yeah, I thought it was a Willy's Wonderland sequel. Uh, <laughs> no, I wasn't. Um, but I still was very entertained with it. I thought the animatronics were cool. There's some cool, again, some cool ca- kills, some cool little jump scares, and I feel like it's a good beginning of building a mythology within the cinematic world instead of just the gaming and um, YouTubers world. Okay. Okay. So, I I I feel like I feel like everybody could get something out of it, whether they're you know maybe you might get lost a little bit, but again, I don't know. I don't. It doesn't. It's not that complex of a story. Um, if you just if you're going in blind, is it your number one film of the year? Tell us. No, but I remember okay. I also said at the beginning of this, oh, yeah, any right. movies I bring up probably aren't going to make. I'm probably not going to make the top ten. All right. <clears throat> so what Mike's saying is that it took too long didn't read version is that it's like <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre for furries, right? Okay. Right. Anyways, exactly. next movie. What's the next movie? <laughs> next. <laughs> I kind of want you to watch it, though, because I want to talk about it some more. I want Tad to write descriptions for our movies. Yeah, exactly. Or something. Um, so, uh, got around to uh, catching up on a couple of other things with Simon. Uh, we watched the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Woo, so fucking good. That was great. I'm, such, I'm getting such a boner for that animation style. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing, but and I know I have old man eyes and stuff, but... Uh, some of it felt a little like because it's a lot darker than Into the Spider Verse and stuff like that. Um, oh, I forgot to write that one down. Anyway, well, it was, uh, <laughs> like it moves so fast, and it mo- and it moves so fast. But yeah, I and thought it did darker. a good job of. So there, there's moments where I'm like, I'm not sure what I'm watching on the screen, <laughs> yeah, because it's moving so fast and it's got a darker tone. But but I still love that animation style. Uh, I thought uh, the story was pretty cool. I like the angle. Of treating these characters as teenagers. Teenagers. What an idea. Yeah. And it's not, it's like, okay, every version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they're teenagers. But this is version is dealing with what is going on mentally <laughs> with teenagers. And it's cool. Without taking away from what we love out of TMNT. Of actual teenager personalities. Yeah, teenage personalities, but also some teenage <laughs> angst. Yeah. I mean, it deals a lot yeah. with, like, um, being... You know, considered like outcasts and yeah. and whatnot. So loved it. I loved it. Yeah, Good. I I saw a meme that was like, so explain this again. You got your ass beat by four fully grown adult Ninja Turtles, and the guy's like, well, actually, they were teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, 
The last one I'll bring up because I know I went on too long about Five Nights. Uh, uh, I finally got around to uh, watching Clerks Three. Oh fuck! How yeah. you doing? Not good. Not good. It. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a old man mind fuck. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of emotions. I'm gonna say this. Don't hate me because I'm beautiful, but I'm gonna say this. It's my least favorite of the of the trilogy. Hmm. Mine too. I enjoyed it. Oh, I didn't feel the need to rank them. Well, I didn't feel the need to rank them sitting down and watching three, but that's what the taste of three left in my mouth. It's like it's not bad, and I love going back to these characters. But man, too much pot smoking, Kevin Smith, or too getting too lazy, because. Okay, maybe it's just, I know there's a lot of times he really embraces his, um, that all the critics talk about how he's not a good filmmaker, and I know he embraces that and satirizes that, but this movie I feel like takes it way too far. Uh, there's so many, and I know, he, I, I also feel like the point of this is to emulate or even satire the original Clerks. But there's just a point. I mean, maybe it's the filmmaker in me that is just it got annoying. Of like, static shot, frame right, frame left, background of the interior of the store, every character entering in from stage left or stage right, talking straight into the camera, exiting stage left, stage right. It was it's it felt so amateurish to me those particular shots, and. I know Randall's always been kind of a dickhead, but oh my God, especially in that third act, like he's just an an unlovable asshole in that third act. And I know he's going through his own mental trauma of his midlife crisis or whatever, but oh, it it was kind of rough. It's the... uh... What's the coworker's name? Like the younger, youngish, younger out of the three. That's uh, yeah, um, um, the one from Clerks Two. Um, yes, yeah, but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. He was like the absolute worst part. If, if there's if someone out there with like AI or some editing skills could just take him out completely. I love the actor, but the character was so unbelievably like his Over the his top or. Yes, his story arc and everything was just not like a person. Like the things he said and did were not. That's what I like to love about Clerks too. Is like we've all had like a coworker who we love working with because they rant and they rave and they go on and. But it's like this in this movie. It was just like he the whole thing of him being like Christian and not swearing and and going like the goth phase and to go and it was just like so stupid. His just, his um. His explosion at the uh, the hospital where he um, gives up Jesus and goes for Satan, that was a little over the top. But I still thought it was kind of funny that every time we saw him after that, he was like dressed differently. <laughs> he was going through a new fashion phase in his dark arts or whatever. I kind of got a chuckle out of that. I, I also really like how they were recreating... Uh, when they when Randall was making his movie and uh, recreating all of those scenes from the original Clerks, um, when they were filming the movie within the movie, I thought it was pretty cool. And then um, using the old footage there at the end when he's when he's showing it to Dante, 
Oh, yeah. Movies about making movies are always fun. Oh, always love it. Always love it. Yeah, I just, you know, I just had a, I mean, it's still, I mean, it is a great movie. Um, but that is, those are the points that puts it uh, third place as far as the franchise goes. What's first, then? It's a great question. Uh, My favorite is Clerks 2 by far. Yeah, probably Clerks 2. And I don't know, maybe also I'm harsher on Clerks 3 because it did hit hard. And that, because the problem with it for, for us is those three films all hit right at the same moments in our lives that those movies are going through. And so it, it, uh, it really hits, it really hits hard for me. Um, all three of those movies hitting at those exact points in my own life. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I watched. But Tad, what did you watch? Um, not as much as I wanted to, but I watched something I mentioned in our uh, attackers group chat that you can be part of if you go to jointheattackers.com. Um, I watched a new sort of documentary, sort of a special uh, called Unsolved Mysteries Behind the Legacy. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's like the anniversary of the Robert Stack uh, Unsolved Mysteries, and they did like a special event in October at Alamo Draft House Theaters where they showed this Sort of, it's not, it is a documentary, but it's not like a feature length documentary. Uh, it's about an hour, I think. Uh, and it's just sort of a cool behind the scenes, like, how is this created? Here's some cool behind the scenes footage. How did they make this show? And how did it become such a huge hit? Uh, and if nothing else, it's worth it for the bonus footage of Robert Stack being out of character. Um, which is really just hearing everybody have nothing but nice things to say about him and how professional and great he was. And it was fascinating to find out how they get all these stories and how they catch the people and uh, where the, the ideas came from, that kind of thing. Really cool. It's free on like YouTube, Tubi. It's, it's basically every free streaming service is out there with ads. Um, it's called Unsolved Mysteries Behind the Legacy. And if you're a fan, it's worth the hour watch. Um the next thing I watched uh, was Joe Lynch's new film, Suitable Flesh, with oh, Heather Graham. And, uh, and uh, help me out, Jason. Um, it's Heather Graham and what's her name? Uh, da, 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 Barbara Crampton. Yeah. And uh, Judah Lewis, Bruce Davison. Pretty decent cast. Uh, Skipper. Written by the guy who wrote reanimator uh based on a lovecraftian story uh but it's a whole body switch type thing uh i i liked it quite a bit i don't know i wouldn't say top 10 for me this year unless nothing unless i find nothing else um but it's worth watching jason was not a huge fan yeah i was gonna say didn't you no. kind of blowing it up a little bit did not enjoy it sorry joe I love you, Joe. That but, can all uh, be winners. Yeah, it just seemed super amateurish, and oh, um, I know that probably once you see it, you'll say that they did it on purpose. And I'm just like, I don't understand why somebody'd make their movie look bad. But anyway, that's how I took it. Um, yep, not uh, not gonna make my top ten. <laughs> So, but amateurish, as in how, like, 
I didn't think it was shot very well. I didn't okay. think the acting was very well, well done you, very well. <laughs> you have uh, my permission that if I see it and I do say that, oh, it was great because it was done on purpose, then you can throw Clerks 3 back into my face. So that sounds like the same complaints I'm having about Clerks 3. No, I, I don't think he did that on purpose, but I guess. Who, Kevin? Yeah. Oh. I assume that's just... He did what he meant to do, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So, and it just seemed like such a drop of quality from Joe. I don't know. What okay. was his last movie? Mayhem, right? No, no. There was that there one was that with uh, Joe or with uh, Salma Hayek. Was she? That was before Mayhem. Okay. I can. Oh, yeah. It was. What was that? Wasn't that what's his face from uh, who was Falcon from the Marvel? Yeah, yeah, him and somebody else. Um, yeah, I'm even trying because I know I've seen it, but it didn't leave any impression. Point on Blake. Me. Yeah. It's Point blank. Okay. And my dead ex. It was a TV series he did. He did an episode of Creep Show. Oh yeah, he did do an episode of Creep Show. So yeah. I don't know. I just the style of it was a little, a little too. Uh, uh, oh shoot! Who does all the HP stuff? What's his B movie director's name? Does all the HP Stuart stuff. Gordon? Stuart, uh, yeah, it was a oh, little too Stuart Gordony for oh, me. Sorry, which okay. means you'll like it, but it like it felt intentionally Stuart Gordony. Well, I mean, it's written by the same guy who wrote everything for Stuart. Gordon, yeah. So. Based know. on the H.P. Lovecraft story, who, you know, hello. It just seemed like yeah. so low budget and not, I don't know. I, I liked know. Heather Graham in it, and yeah. uh, I can't, I, I just kept telling Nikki the whole time, I'm like, Barbara Crampton's like my mom's age. Look at her, she's <laughs> fucking hot. <laughs> right? And Heather Graham is like not a young spring chicken either, and she's still super hot. So born in 1970, Heather Graham. Gosh, she's, she's older than me. And. She gets naked. Yeah, I'm gonna go home and watch Boogie Nights. But yeah, uh, suitable flesh. I liked it. Did not. I wouldn't say top ten horror of this year, but I say it's worth a watch. It might end up on your list. Um, no one will save you on Hulu. I know Jason oh. mentioned this one for a reason, but it's it. Yes, thumbs up. Go watch it. I won't say anything. So good. Um, Thanksgiving. Finally, it's here. I saw it in theaters. Uh, it was everything I want, more than I expected. Fantastic. Oh, it's cool. getting rave reviews from everywhere. It's like 85% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, which is unheard of. Oh, great. My uh, my biggest compliment is that Eli Roth held back, and not in like the like kills and gore, but like his writing. Like he didn't write some like diarrhea scene into it, or didn't <laughs> he, he didn't like. Fall composed. back on his yes, his his like thirteen year old tendencies Mature. that he's done in every year movie. It was actually, and I was blown away that he actually figured out how to make a story out of this thing that everybody right. sort of joked was like, "Well, oh, what a stupid trailer, what a stupid thing." Nope, it's not stupid. It's really fucking good. So go see it. Um, and that's what I watched. Excellent. All right, time to get in some body horror. Jason, yeah. what do we got up first? 
Okay, up first, we got from 1993. Oh, God. Why am I compelled to say that was the year I graduated high school? Tad, shut your face. <laughs> I was born three years I know, later. I know. Shut up. In 1993, we're talking about body melt. Welcome to Terra's new dead end. The first phase is hallucinogenic. Second phase is glandular. Third phase is... Body melt. He was one healthy dude. Unnaturally healthy. Now I'm talking new drugs here, right? I'm talking 90s, man. Cognition enhancers. Designed to take your mind into new intra-phenomenological dimensions. In Sleepy Pebbles Court, something deadly is happening. All that build. Target number one. One by one. Move both family. They're dying. Now this organ to be prepared. Cheryl and Brian Ram are the pregnancy because nothing can prepare you for the horror. Up until their birth, babies are the ultimate parasite. The madness. Something is wrong. The fury. What is this? A new age of human potential has dawned. Body melts. Pray they don't visit your street. Done any good drugs, my you guys didn't know Stephen. This was Stephen Hawking's last movie. You heard him in there, right? <laughs> Too soon? Okay. Residents of peaceful Pebbles Court, Holmesville, because that's clearly a real place, are being used unknowingly as test experiments for a new body drug that causes rapid body decomposition and painful deaths. Written and directed by the world-famous Philip Brophy. Who? Philip Brophy. P-H-Y. Brophy. Yeah, dudes, this movie is whack. Um, I actually, I think it was, you know, years ago when we did the Ozploitation episode. Yeah. I just, I just clicked on this one for a whim. All on my own, I clicked play. And boy, yeah, wow. I've not been the same since. I re- I remember that because this you're the I reason saw this one's before. on this on this episode. So this is your fault. Yeah, I, I'm gonna put it on him because yeah, because I remember oh, you'd be like, dude, you'd love it. Yeah, you know, I remember you telling oh, me. Yeah, that. I know do. that you love it because <laughs> you could, you could not not love this movie. <laughs> this is the most insane fucking movie ever made. Maybe, and then it gets gross. You know, on top of that, <laughs> like this movie is so fucking disgusting from second one till the end. Yeah, it's it's an Australian street trash. It is. They, oh, there goes all my notes. Exactly. You basically summed up my entire. What's funny is on a Tubi, uh, street trash played r- instantly yeah, right after. Up. I just kept watching nice. that. I'm nice. just like, oh, nice. It's like as the a sequel. palate cleanser. Yeah, it's, I it's, know. It's bad when street trash is the palate cleanser. For real, that's real. He's saying real things. This movie is insane. It's, yep. I've never smelled a movie before. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> You're selling it. 
Oh, I just know <laughs> Brett's like, where is this? I'm watching it right now. Yep. Dudes. Uh, yeah. So, um, I don't like this movie. I mean, it's not any good. <laughs> like it's fun and it's insane, but like it's having to, having to watch it a second time now, I'm like, I regret ever saying I liked this, but, uh, but also not really. It's, it's so nuts. Like you just can't imagine how nuts and gross and then it just keeps going. It's, it's un, it just doesn't stop for ninety minutes of Australian say, grossness. I love on IMDb when you you know we this should be a, a segment when you scroll down and it says uh-huh. more like this you know sort of like uh, used to be on the network. Um, customers also watched yeah. Uh, yeah. on Amazon. We have Demon Wind, yeah. uh, the stuff, Class of Newcomb High, and then the Eight Immortal Restaurant. The untold, untold story, huh. yeah. So, huh. uh, Demon Wind, the stuff in Class of Newcomb High is putting it in the class of yeah. those movies. So, I know the uh, Brett and Tony gang are <laughs> queuing it up right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, but uh, so was this your first time, Mike? It actually was. How I'll was be it? honest with you. Like, I tried watching it a couple times since you first recommended it, and it, it no fault to the movie, just bad timing each time. Like, and it didn't... Yeah, because there's a good time to watch this. <laughs> well, it's like something got in the way and I had to go do something else, kind of. Like, like the movie? Like throw up and you can't get it no. out. Yeah. Oh. No. So, it, it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's it's a lot of fun. I think, like, there's maybe, I mean, well, maybe a little bit lost in translation. <laughs> a little bit. A maybe. lot of, lost in translation. Because like, I have no idea what the fuck this is about, other than... Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I just told you, they... There's a mad scientist, and his, his vitamin pill causes horrific side effects. And the, this suburbanite consumer, this movie's not, what is so, it? Some, somehow a movie that makes street trash seem less <laughs> gross and somehow makes uh, Tetsuo the Iron Man make more sense. If- uh-huh. <laughs> You're not wrong. Oh, my my thing was just like there's just no. I mean, it jumps around so much. There's just no characters to latch onto to right. care about. Yeah, my just <laughs> now. They're dying as soon as you start to like one. Yeah, I mean, you introduce. It feels like it's this ninety percent introduce a character just to melt them. It's a series of how to melt people. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> right. <Some laughs> I will watch. I will watch people melt all day long, and just when you think you might have. You've you might have all? your overload of melting people. Throw in a mutant uh, backwoods family in the mix, yeah. you know, out of yeah. nowhere, and for um, the yeah. middle half of the movie, I'm like, I'm like, am I watching it? Did I, did I fall asleep and I woke up in the middle of a different movie <laughs> with that mutant family? But they were yeah. a lot of fun too. They <laughs> family was messed up, melts all kinds, and I'm too busy looking at all the junk on the walls inside the house of the redneck family. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, if you like. If you like gruesome stuff and you like cool effects and whatnot uh, and just overall z- zaniness, this movie is, I think it's a lot of fun. I mean, it really does push uh, gross effects. Just every yeah. five minutes, it's just like, <laughs> what am I going to see this time? I want to know what you thought of the score. Oh, God. Trying to remember it. Well, kind of like in the beginning of the trailer there. I mean, it's not constant through the whole thing like that, but it almost sounds like it's 
barely one step above the uh, forty nine ninety nine Casio keyboard <coughs> you had back yeah. in the uh, yeah eighties. I, I was like, they pulled this out of like a stock library for like, a kids <laughs> show or something. But to me, it was just as bizarre as the rest of the movie. Yeah. What Maybe. was that weird ass movie you made us watch with the guy with the giant head and uh, the guy with like the r- big chomp and teeth that you oh loved? skin uh, skin uh, deep skin or deep. something yeah skin yeah deep. this this is right in that fucking wheelhouse of what the fuck yeah and I like skin deep a lot too See? I know you do <laughs> all right did you ever get to say their piece on yeah this? Tad how yeah. much did you love it. I've said everything I need to. I mean, uh, free on Tubi. I, I felt I, I I found it free on YouTube without the ads. Um, nice. Oh, I okay. will go to any great length not to have commercials, <laughs> but this one I could have used some fucking breaks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm trying my hardest to pay attention to this thing, and I'm like, and what am I missing? Nothing. Okay, I'm glad to hear that I I, yeah. I wasn't just like spacing out and that it just doesn't really make sense. <laughs> and this is, I mean. At least with another movie we're talking about later, it's short. <laughs> this, this <laughs> At is, least the it, madness is short. Yeah, I mean, this is an hour 21, and it felt a lot longer. <laughs> it but does it's, feel a little long, yeah. But it, it's it's fine. It's not, it, like, I, it's not... I can see this one showing up at one of Tad's birthday parties. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like, it probably played better with movie. a crowd. Yeah. Uh, rather than, I mean, not the crowd <laughs> that of Nikki w- walking in a room going, what are you watching? Oh, okay. no. Don't look. Don't right. look. Well, tell her I'm, this one's Jason's fault, not mine this time. I'm, I'm like, you couldn't have came in during American <laughs> yeah, you, Mary, which you really liked. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> no, it's, I, 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 I'll never watch it again, but I'm not mad I watched it. I know we've okay. never, yeah, I, I wished it could be a little sub-segment, you know, just like, what did Nikki walk in on this week? <laughs> yep. Like, we've never really officially we, said it, but it's try- always part of it. We I'm trying to about changing some things up with the show. Let's just start all new segments. There yeah. was a, a scene where, like, the like weird people in the trailer, they are like, lift up a rock and they find something under it. Uh, or so, I, I don't know, but, that like, she walked in right there and it was like, they, like, put it in her mouth. I was like, what the, f- I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then no she like for you. she <laughs> watched a, she watched a little bit, and then she did the thing where it's like uh, the ultimate disapproval, where she like puts her head on a pillow and turns her back to the TV. Oh, like she would rather like have her eyes closed and watch this. That's the ultimate insult. <laughs> it sounds like uh, yeah, that sounds like a challenge. Homework movie, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> she, well, she knew. I told she her. Knew. I warned her yesterday. I was like, I still have one podcast movie to watch tonight, so no football or no, you know, nothing, nothing that she can come down and like. I have a list of movies to watch for a year-end episode. And I was like, just a warning: it's a podcast movie. She knows what that means. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man! Yeah, reporter on the street, Nikki. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Tad, uh, what trivia do you have for this guy? Not much, but uh, it. The, the filmmakers initially wanted to make this an anthology, but were un- unable to secure the financing. Oh. So that might make sense with the jumping around. Yeah. yeah. That it was supposed to be like a bunch of, of <laughs> stories. They filmed a bunch of stuff for anthologies and had to <laughs> yeah. <make it> one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, they, for, they couldn't afford the wraparound, so that's why it makes no fucking sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's really, I mean, there's other stuff like it was shot over the course of 30 days. Why is that uh, trivia? It's considered exploitation. That's not trivia. 
Uh, shot 92 and finished 93. Okay, neat. Um, <laughs> not not much about this one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, and that too. I feel like it's a it's a pretty unknown movie, really. Yeah. So I can't imagine why. Now, <laughs> hey. now uh, the viewership is going to go up on this movie. Oh, it is to too. It's going to spike by three watches. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now it's time for our next film. It's from 2012, and it's called American Mary. I quit med school today, but that shouldn't come as a surprise to you. What's this? Uh, it's my resume. No, you don't need it to work here, but it is nice to find out some of your dirty secrets. Want to be a doctor? Surgeon. Follow me. What do I have to do? Yeah, we prefer the frat was not to die tonight. You can put the bed down, Dr. Mason. I'm just a desperate woman looking for help. What exactly does she want me to do? Mary Mason, a medical student who is struggling financially to stay in school, falls into the world of underground surgeries, which ends up leaving more marks on her than her so-called freakish clients. This is written and directed by the Soka sisters, Jen and Sylvia Soka. Stars Catherine Isabel. Uh, it's uh, I, I've always loved this movie. I still love you it. Have. Yep, I still really like it. It did not lose a lot for me in this uh, most recent viewing. It's pretty dark and disturbing. Definitely uh, definitely fits right in with this category. I think Catherine Isabel does an amazing job as Mary, and I feel like her, her transition from innocent to menacing is pretty flawless. Uh, what is great is that... Uh, um, her tendencies to be like creepy, cold, and sexy, bloody Mary are there from kind of the opening. You kind of get hints that uh, that she has this darker side literally from frame one of this movie. Now, although I say that, I feel like maybe this time watching it that the transition is a little too fast from the rape scene um, straight into her... Um, kidnapping an attack and uh kidnapping her attacker and using him as a test dummy for body modification practices because it's literally the next scene yeah and i feel like this time around watching it especially know already knowing how it's going to end that uh that did not give me enough to 
really connect with her even more and feel, I mean, obviously you feel bad for her in that whole first act, mm. obviously. Um, and you want her to get revenge. Um, but I just feel like there need to be more time spent watching kind of her life fall apart. You know, we need to maybe see that scene where she just stops going to school. She quits school or, or something along those lines. It just kind of, you know, seeing her, her world fall apart more as opposed to just one throwaway line at one point in the movie where she's like, well, I dropped out of school. And then that's kind of the end of it. Right. Cause I feel like if we had maybe more of that, the ending would have been more earned and maybe a little more impactful. Um, and, and maybe because I've seen it before, or maybe even the whole Beatrice's husband getting revenge on Mary kind of comes a little bit out of left field. Like, I don't feel like that's set up enough to warrant what happens to Mary at the end. Um, but that is just, uh, that's, I don't know. That's just a newer opinion. I still really like this movie. I think I love the way it's shot. I love the, all the, you know, the set design, the costume design, you know, Catherine Isabella is like, like sexy without being, without being sexy and just dark and menacing. Like you love her, but you're scared of her at the same time, which is also, uh, one of the things I love, which is a lot of the background characters in this too, especially Billy, the strip club owner who kind of has that relationship with her, like scared of her, but like just in love with her at the same time. He, I feel like has the coolest arc in this movie as far as his, his dealing with, with Mary, because he's just like this total asshole that controls everything, degrades women, um, does all these evil things. And everybody's scared of him. But when Mary becomes Bloody Mary, and now she's just cold and shut off from everything and, and has her agenda, he's basically reduced to like a junior high school boy with a crush. And I just, I love those moments where he he almost can't even, you know, like he has just like that moment, like after talking to her, where he just... It's like feels like he's an, he like he's an idiot because he didn't say the right thing, or you know, kind of like how you feel when you're talking to that girl that you have a crush on or whatever. Um, uh, Tristan Risk as Beatrice was cool. She's the the girl that's trying to become Betty Boop. Kind of. She's awesome in this. Yeah, she's very awesome in this. Like unrec. Well, besides the makeup, I feel like unrecognizable because she's full on doing straight Betty Boop. And, you know, it's like, how do you, how do they make you like really care about her? Like I cared about her so much. Like I, she's likable. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I, I love this movie and I've, I've loved it since the first time I saw it so much so that I was excited to go down the rabbit hole of the Soka sisters, um, catalog. And to be honest, not a fan of their other stuff. Like uh, dead hooker in the trunk was a stinker seen no evil two is generic at best and definitely didn't care for the rabid remake either so 
they hit gold with this one, but haven't been able to uh, come close to it since. But that's that's my thoughts. Yeah, I I have loved this one since it came out. I really just feel like the performances are really great. The story is really intriguing. I was a little nervous getting back into it. Like when you put it on the list, I have it on DVD, and I actually like yeah. pulled it off the shelf and put it into Whoa. a DVD player. Oh, I know. And uh, it was just like vi- revisiting an old friend. I've forgot. It's like been long enough that I forgot about a lot of it. Uh, and it's just like a product of that time era where it was like, you know, well, sort of funny right now but to say it now, but like Eli Roth and the Saw movies and that whole torture porn thing, uh, mm-hmm. it sort of fell into that like era. It's like 11 years old now, right? Yes. 2012. So, yep. uh, crazy to think it's been that long, huh. but, um, it's like, I mean, it does, you know, obviously it, it, sometimes it wears its budget on its sleeve and that's okay. Uh, but I think it's, such a creative story and like i said well acted well written um it's just too bad the soska sisters are sort of like outed as being garbage people so oh, uh, are they i didn't i didn't know any of that yeah just uh search uh we'll just say that they've been uh called out for like some nazi propaganda stuff oh um sure. so that's probably why they haven't worked in Gross. a while but yeah. uh can't deny this movie's a lot of fun. So, I mean, I guess fun's not the movie, but, but <laughs> starting it with like sewing up a turkey or a chicken or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, who doesn't love a good revenge story when, you know, and, and yeah. And it's a unique little twist on the revenge story because, you know, we've, there's hundreds of them out there, you know, the ice bit on your graves or the, the thriller, cruel story, stuff like that. Or, you know, you know, whatever. Um, this one takes it in a slightly new direction where she's using her attacker not just for revenge, but also to enhance her body modification skills. Mm-hmm. She's resourceful. And, and it's like a weirdly empowering movie because, you know, she's using this skill that she was going to school for, which was causing her to be broke and using it to get rich. But like at first it's, it's some shady stuff, but I mean, it's all, it's always shady, but it's like the body body modification. This is what people are asking for. So she's helping them sort of become the way they see themselves. And that whole like morals issue going on with uh, the Betty Boop girl. And like at first she's like trying to, you know, she, she's acting like she's too good for it. You know, oh, don't call me. Don't tell people whatever. And th- eventually she starts going out for coffee with her and becoming this sort of like legend in the scene. But like Mike said, it sort of like skips a lot of that stuff. It just like suddenly she's <laughs> got this whole business running out and the, the detectives after her and he's on to her about these missing people. And I, it's weird thing but i in, in bad pun but i like to see it a little more fleshed out <laughs> yeah it certainly wasn't overnight but man they sure didn't help you feel like it wasn't overnight with right. just the way that it flowed in the movie yeah 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 I, I like this movie too i haven't seen it since then probably and um i like everybody in the movie uh just you know 
This time around, a little too sensitive. Definitely trigger warning. The rape stuff was too much, and it was too hard to watch, and that sucked. And It was, but it could have been handled way less tactfully, if that makes sense. Sure, and then you can say women directors, but, like, that doesn't make it okay. It's still... No, right. no. You know, it's hard to watch nowadays in anything, so... Sure. I'm never... It's never okay. And I'm never going to like it if it's used... To tell a story, do something else. I don't. You don't need to do that to gain sympathy for Mary Mason. But uh, she's great. Um, Beatrice was awesome. Uh, and and what I think, I guess, ultimately, you know, gets me to the end of this movie. In spite of having that, is that every female in this movie is a strong ass kicking female. Yeah, yeah. So that is awesome, and. You know, I hope she cuts up all the assholes that she can get her hands on, and and yeah, I don't, I didn't really love the bar owner guy. I thought he's just kind of like a throwaway character, really. Oh, but I'm not saying I loved him, though. No, I just, yeah, I just like, what's his point in this? I I enjoyed but, the fact that he was reduced to a blubbering idiot around yeah. Mary, because again, it, that female empowerment of, of like, this is a guy who has degraded women. Mm-hmm. this whole time and now there's this woman that um can play him like a fiddle without doing anything it's like she does nothing for him yeah and so um yeah ultimately may may they all get cut up and left on a hook somewhere i guess to do these bad things so is that like this just kind of hit me too do you guys feel like another reason i feel like the ending may not be as um, impactful or, or um, satisfying. satisfying in the fact that it's a male character from out of nowhere that does her in. It's like we get introduced to this guy literally two scenes before the ending. Yeah, yeah a little anticlimactic, like it should have been some, yeah. Yeah, and then it's, but again, it's just like it's another butch, abusive asshole that ends up Taking her down. Because that's the world we live in. Maybe it's appropriate. Yeah. It's dumb. Yeah. I did get to work on a movie with Tristan Risk, Beatrice. That you was did? Fun. I did. I got to have breakfast with her once. She's nuts. <laughs> she's cool, but she's crazy. But she's nuts. I think she might be my favorite part of this movie. Oh, she might be. She's awesome in this. Mm-hmm. She really is. I forgot how good she was in this. Not that she's not good in other things, but it was great for her to have this character to fucking shine in. So well, I was happy for her. She's a little bit of comic relief, but she's also like a a bit of ray of sunshine through this whole thing. Because she's always upbeat and positive, except yep. for the one scene towards the end, the obviously. Yeah. But yeah, she's very Betty Boop. Even the one scene where Mary comes over, I don't even remember now who the other girl in that room is when Beatrice is telling Mary about the surgery, her, uh, the first surgery, the doll. Yeah. The doll thing. Yeah. And there's this other girl s- sitting on a counter and <laughs> just Beatrice in that Betty Boop voice telling her to shut the fuck up is hilarious. Yeah. And also like really upbeat the way she says it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, Be- Beatrice is probably, 
is oh yeah, and, uh, Tad, Tad, if you want to go ahead and still do that uh, arm swap surgery with me, I'll do it. You just can't have my transformer arm. <laughs> you can have my horror arm. So if you still want okay. to do that, okay. okay. I want to see that. Get it on the books. I want to see that arm on Tad's. Like, can, you imagine, can you imagine, like, yeah, Jason's arm dragging? The We'd both look like that character from the M. Night movie. <laughs> Lady in the Lady Water. The, water. Uh-huh. <laughs> the one that exercises just one arm. Uh-huh. Yeah. J- Jason wants my arm to make his dick look bigger. Thank you. Anyways. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> All right. <laughs> trivia, please move on. <laughs> lots of good one. Lots of good trivia on this. There are not. There is not one visual effect or CGI used at all at any point in this movie. All practical good effects. Uh, Catherine Isabel went to a medical school to research her role as Mary. Um, so she actually learned how to do like the sutures. She actually wow. that scene. She's actually her doing that. Um, the majority of Mary's patients in the film were actual members of a real life body modification community. So Mm. I imagine they had some input as to like what people really get. So it wouldn't be too outlandish. Um, Agnes Soska and Marius Soska, the Soska's sister's parents remortgaged their house in order to raise money to finance this film. And both parents appear in the movie. I don't know where, but uh, yeah, somewhere. (laughs) And then, Mary at numerous time at numerous points in the film is visually depicted wearing black surgical gloves, a black apron, white dresser, and holding a large syringe. This is meant to visually evoke Ehi Sheena in the film Audition, often cited by oh. film historians as the first torture porn horror film long before that subgenre actually became popular. So a cool little nod to another one of my favorites, Audition. Nice. I have a friend who refers to the torture porn subgenre as the meat apron movies yeah. <laughs> because because of audition and this movie in particular both of them just that like and, black yeah. leathery black leathery um uh aprons hostel and hostel yep oh yeah there's the aprons and hostel yeah yeah awesome yay we're all on the same page of american mary Ted, what's the next movie? Our next movie is from 
I guess that's it. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to say much. It explains it all right there in the trailer, uh, which is not actually an exaggeration. That explains the whole movie. It really uh, I should have taken notes. I rewatched this on the last drive-in, and Joe Bob tries his best to explain what this is about. Um, according to IMDb, a businessman accidentally kills a metal fetishist who gets his revenge by slowly turning the man into a, into a grotesque hybrid of flesh and rusty metal. Uh, this is the probably third or fourth watch for me. I discovered this wow. one on the last drive-in, which <laughs> yeah. I was very late to, obviously. But uh, I'm almost afraid to watch it without Joe Bob uh, <laughs> because I think he makes it like so wonderful and like making <clears throat> it. He sort of helps lead you along. Um, I mentioned earlier that it's only in like an hour and five minutes, which. Uh, is good because this is a very weird experimental film, but I have to admit, some, like I love this thing. I don't know why, um, because I just talk shit about a movie because I didn't get it. And do I get this? Not really, but visually, it's just so damn unique and cool. And something about it, it's like a, it's like feels like punk rock, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, very like anti, like like somebody who'd never seen a fucking movie, and then watching. The Last Drive and Joe Bob's like the director, uh, Shinye Tsukamoto, probably butchered that, uh, was like, Oh, I love the films of like Martin Scorsese and, uh, you know, uh, Steven Spielberg. And it's like, And you got this out of that? Uh, <laughs> but I love it because it's just like, it's completely, there's nothing else like this at all. It is so bizarre, shot in black and white. Uh, it's grimy, but not like gross, like, uh, body or body melt. Uh, it's just like, I don't know. Something about it is, is just really cool. And the way, like the, the motion in it, the way it was, you know, it's almost feel stop motion. And, uh, the, I, I think the black and white adds to it. It's really cool. And a lot of people probably watch it and they're like, this is pretentious bullshit. Like Ugh. this means nothing it's stupid, but I, for some reason, keep going back to it. I love it. So. I don't know where anybody would get pretentious out of it because a lot of it feels intentionally ridiculous on purpose. Just it's artsy, experimental, art school. Yeah. It's like, does it have? What's it have to say? I don't know. There's, I mean, there's not really a whole lot of narrative story in it, and you can pull something out of it, but it really is just almost like a a visual feast, and. Unrelenting it, visual feast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nonstop. Yeah. It's I'm sure you guys have both seen this before, right? Yep, I've I saw it uh when Joe Bob played it. That was yep. definitely one of my favorites. Again, watching him the man of all the words trying to <laughs> describe this fucking movie and talk about it for an hour and a half. Uh yeah, it's uh it's uh something. This movie. It's pretty fucked. Um but I don't know. It's like punk rock. It's like you got to kind of, to me, it's like this is one that you got to check off the list to call yourself punk rock. Yeah. You know? could see this playing on the background behind some punk band. Oh, oh for sure. I'm sure, I'm sure it's been done a hundred times. Yeah. It's playing in some grimy bar right now. Right now. Yep. On loop. Please don't play this at your birthday party, Tim. I say th this is played on like 
uh, this is played on so many tube TVs and like really dirt, dirty bedrooms where a dude's like showing his, his girl like you got to see this weird movie, man. You know. Yeah, video drum come out before this. Oh yeah, way before yeah. this. Yeah. yeah, definitely a fan of that. Yeah, Mike, you love is it. Is that all you got? Yeah, it's. I don't, okay. What do you? What, I, I once you see one piece of metal come out of some dude's skin and climb into another part of his skin, what else do you? I just didn't want to step on. Oh you. yeah, no, you're good. It's uh, insanity. Yeah. For an hour and seventeen minutes, it's <laughs> amazing. But it, but like you said, it's uh, visually stimulating. <laughs> Definitely the weirdest Marvel movie ever. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Ugh. I I struggle with uh, talking to you guys on this show of uh, trying to explain myself and my reasonings for liking certain things. And I'm going to do my best this time around with this particular movie. Because why does this movie that makes no sense and it's all just visual... Um, and I like it, but I don't like some of that A24 stuff. And why do I like micro-budget, poorly shot stuff? But I do. I love that stuff. And I'm hoping I can articulate it here. I definitely love the black and white. Uh, I've always, always loved black and white. Um... I like a lot of the micro-budget techniques this movie has. Uh, like the car accident in the beginning. You know, it definitely has that no-budget look of... We're not actually seeing a car accident. We're just seeing the camera push in close and twirl the camera around on a set of car headlights that is obviously static. And that's supposed to represent our car crash. Um, the gritty, gross urban setting... Love it. It definitely has that new gritty 80s New York film look to it. Uh, of course, the gory over-the-top disturbing effects and the stop-motion stuff. Love it all. Um, definitely, for me, it has the grittiness of the underground New York films of the 80s and 90s. And I also feel, had a f- lot of feeling of like early David Lynch, Eraserhead specifically. Um... For me, the low-quality filmmaking has, you know, the black and white, the the poor film stock, whatever, the crazy editing, the stop motion, all that stuff, has an otherworldly feel to it. And those type of movies feel like even more out of reality than most movies. And for me, the nicer something looks, the more I can imagine being in that environment like you you watch a movie and uh something that's like has all the pixels and you can you know almost imagine yourself being standing there next to said actor who is looking at a camera and you can see the whole environment around you where this there's like no connection because it's just it's so degraded from what what our normal eyes see in reality. And maybe that's why I like a lot of that kind of stuff. Maybe I'm explaining it. I don't know. 
Uh, and as far as the black and white goes, I feel like there's a lot of really cool, beautifully composed shots in this movie. One that really stuck out to me, one of my favorites, is towards the beginning where he's running and hiding from that that girl. Um, I labeled the Iron Girl. And there's a shot of him where he's kind of cowering in fear. And it's a little bit of an aerial view through a floor grate. And it's just he's projecting a lot of harsh shadows against the wall behind him. And the whole thing is shot through the grate. So you have this cool diamond pattern across the entire frame. I just think that was a really cool looking shot. And uh, there's there's a, definitely a few of those in this movie that catch my attention. Um, for me, with all the wackiness and and gruesomeness and weirdoness in this movie, to me the most disturbing moment is when he's um, feeding that that girl out of the frying pan, and he's scraping the knife and fork. <laughs> on the frying pan and all i can think of is like man you are ruining that cast iron yeah. skillet yeah. <laughs> <coughs> but yeah the movie definitely it, yeah it's it's impossible to follow don't even try just yeah like you guys said if joe bob can't do it <laughs> good luck to you uh i've seen him rationalize ray dennis steckler movies so yeah uh if he can't do it no one can but it's still it's it's very visually entertaining. There there are some moments, even at an hour and twelve minutes, that where they kind of repeat some shots that that you're just kind of like, let's get on with it. Uh, <coughs> but and I but I just love that mesh pile of weirdness effects that just consume this guy with all the metal and and everything. Um, so yeah, yeah, doesn't make any sense. Uh, but I love it. Now, Tad, I still haven't. But Tad, have you seen this? You've seen the sequels, right? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. I thought you had. Jason, have you seen the no, others? No. Because there's three of. There's two more after this yeah. one, right? Okay. Okay. <clears throat> there was a really cool um, short film at SNAF this past year that pays a lot of homage and tribute to Tetsuo. Yeah, it references it directly, which is really cool. Yeah, right out of the gate, yeah. Because it starts off as a YouTube review show. This guy reviewing the movie. And the, and then through a course of events, it ends in an epic battle of, instead of a Tetsuo Iron Man, it's like a VHS tape man or something. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome, yeah. Uh, I imagine for like the five of us who had seen Tetsuo that were at SNAF loved this and the rest of them still loved it, but they were like, they didn't love it for the same reasons. Maybe yeah, didn't quite didn't get, get the references, but yeah. it's again in the homage, it's absolute insanity too. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yep. it's a lot. It's, it's so much fun though. And I loved, yeah, it's like that, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio when he's pointing at the screen, like, Oh, you know, when he saw, when I watched that one, I'm like, Oh, this is going to cater to f- all five of us in the, Yep. crowd that that know and love that movie <laughs> uh but yeah it's it's a lot of fun it's called uh content the lo-fi man on the arrow streaming service it's a short film by brian luano uh check that out if you like this movie sweet what trivia do you have for tetsuo 
this film was based on a play that Shinye Tukamoto had written, directed, and performed in college. Can you imagine this as a fucking play? Well, how do <laughs> nope. you do that on stage? What? Just have like hubcaps attached to your legs? I don't know. Somebody like throwing your... tinfoil at the guy off stage or something? Right. Um, and the only other one I thought that was pretty uh, interesting was intentionally filmed in black and white as the filmmakers foresaw how disturbing the visuals would be and they wanted the audience to at least finish the film. <laughs> so I imagine, yeah, sort of like it made me think of like the Kill Bill scene where it flips to black and white because of all the blood to get the R rating. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, they it's sort of like a trick is that we're not seeing the red blood and the fleshy colors. But to me, it's almost like that it's like a, it sort of blends the blood and oil and feels yeah. more like machines and I don't know but yeah. cool yeah, as hell that's a good point yeah yeah it's also like in Evil Dead 2 they uh they didn't want to get the didn't want to get like an x rating so when the geyser of blood shoots up from the cellar it's like black and green instead of red yep cool and it worked. Yeah. So dumb. Just the color red. It's going to get you in trouble. Okay. That is it, folks, for the films for this show. But there's still more Attack of the Killer podcast to come. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have our final two segments. Before we do, though, you're going to hear a promo for our network, the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. The PFPM is home to over 30 different shows, including Cinnamon Movie Podcast, the podcast of all podcasts. The Cinnamon break down all kinds of films, discuss entertainment news, their very own top five segments. They do that every week, and they do a whole lot more. As a matter of fact, their newest episode, as of this recording, dropped a few days ago, episode 271 where they talk about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. And it's such a good episode that it almost makes me care about the Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> I recommend checking out The Cinnamon, as well as all the other shows on the PFPN, pfpn.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, listeners. One of our favorite segments on this show is when we get to hear from you guys. Here's Jason with shout-outs. It's time for... Shout-outs! All right, this episode I thought we'd turn to the Attack of the Killer chat. Let the attackers get all the glory we ask what are your favorite body horror films and up first attacker emily says street trash oh man Woo! 
What a lame ass movie compared to Body Melt. It's, get, it's getting <laughs> too much uh, shout outs this, this and, and shout outs. Body yeah. Melt does not have a scene where bums play a hot potato with a man's penis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she mentions another one I'm just too scared to watch called Society. I thought we watched that for the show. Maybe. Okay. But I blacked out the whole end scene. <laughs> I don't find it as disturbing as some of the some other body horror. It comes off more silly, maybe intentionally silly, than you know. I mean, there's a scene where a guy's face is coming out of another guy's butt, and he's like, "You probably think I'm a butthead." So yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, up next, we got <laughs> Hot Rod. He says, "Love street trash, yeah. society, and the stuff. Can't get enough." Of course, the stuff. Stuffers everywhere. And then uh, lastly, we got Brian. Brian Clark, that is. Brian. I don't know. He says, oh, he's got a list. Of course he does. He says, The Fly. Fuck yeah. There you go. So good. Shivers. Cronenberg. Gotta get it in there. Rabbit. Tetsuo, the Iron Man. The Thing. Hell yes. Greatest movie. Leviathan. Parasite, the Charles Band one, not the Academy Award winning. <laughs> um, any Hong Kong black magic movie where people barf up bugs. There you go, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. sick son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what those are. I haven't seen that Parasite either, have you? Yeah, it's an early Charles Band movie. Uh, it was shot in 3D, so uh-huh. it had some success because it hit right at that uh, early 80s 3D horror craze. Um, and it is like one of the first acting roles <coughs> for Demi Moore. Nice. Well, before we wrap it up, we got one more attacker to go. There's a voicemail. Hey, everybody, attacker Brian here for my bi-weekly phone call. Non missed the 300th episode because I was on assignment. No, I just I was just busy. I don't even know what the hell I was doing, but I'm back on the wagon. And I got some movie recommendations for you. Sounds like we're talking body horror. Since I got me tied up with this table, slowly taking me apart piece by piece, and this morgue here, that's why it sounds so, you know, windowy. I don't know what even word I'd come up with. Got a whole list. You know, like the classic. How Razor, the original, and the remake, and a couple of dog shoots. All those fly movies, you know, the ones with Vincent Price and the newer ones. Then we got Shivers, Slither, and From Beyond. Those science fiction mixed in there. And then some of my favorites. Incredible Melting Man, Basket Case, and District 9. I love District 9. And the greatest one of all, The Human Sinity Part 3. Oh, God. Maybe I'm joking. Maybe I'm not. You have to watch it and find out. Hope you all have a happy holidays and a Merry Christmas and a happy Hanukkah and all those other good holidays that are coming up. And take care. Bye-bye. He's so drunk. What is happening? Although, he did have the common sense to mention The Incredible Melting Man. It's in the name. Yep. All right. And if you would like to to leave a voicemail from your bathroom or wherever the hell. <laughs> Something less windowy. What is he? 
Uh, the man give, does his own podcast, and you can't articulate words. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> uh, you can give us a call at 415-952-6857. That's 415-95-AOTKP. Leave us a voicemail. We'll play it on the show, and that is shout-outs. But we are not done yet. One more to go. Here's Insane Mike with Insane's Picks. <laughs> For this Insane's Picks, we're going back to the world of no-budget horror from the late 80s, early 90s. No other production company did it better, probably according to somebody, than Tempe Video. And the film in question is 1990s classic Skinned Alive. A tale as old as oldest time about a family of weirdos that travel around looking for victims to skin for their leather company that they run. It's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Again, getting you to try to watch this one, Jason. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where um, they're killing to make leather instead of making head cheese. Oh, also without any talent in front of or behind the camera. Uh, When their van breaks down in a small town, a friendly mechanic lets them stay with them and his wife while he tries to fix up their van. Oh, wait. That's kind of more like Last House on the Left. Yeah. Only the head of the family, Crawl Daddy, the uh, the mother of the group, is bound to a wheelchair. Wait, now I get it. It's like Mother's Day. That's what it is. This is directed by John Kilog and produced by J.R. Bookwalter. Woo! You love. I do. Uh, stars Mary Jackson, who has 106 credits, including Exorcist 3. It also has the man himself, Scott Spiegel. Uh, the film, and anytime Scott Spiegel shows up in an acting role uh, in a movie, I I feel like he is all over the place on the set and works his way into uh, behind the camera or influencing the director in some sort. Because the film's direction feels really influenced by Scott with some of the uh, dark Three Stooges type uh a comedy and violence in this in this movie. It just totally feels like something taken out of like Evil Dead or or uh Intruder. Um any anything that Scott Spiegel um touches. Uh and then also this has Susan Rothhacker in it, who is a Tempe video regular. She's been in Dead Next Door Robot Ninja, and Kingdom of the Vampire. Those three play the crazed family themselves. Uh, so this movie, uh, it's it's an acquired taste. I enjoy it, but I am a Tempe video fan. I enjoy a lot of the films uh, uh, that J.R. Brookwalter has been involved with that he's rather either directed or produced um, and released on his label. I feel like this has a bit higher quality than a lot of them on the label, so it has that going for it. Uh, you know, compared to some of the uh, some of the lesser films like Zombie Cop or even Robot Ninja, really. Um, you know, Dead Next Door is another really good one that uh, I feel like has a higher production value than some of the others, but. Uh, 
this one is is pretty standard. I mean, they try to do something a little different with them um, skinning people uh, to make leather as opposed to being cannibals. Um, and one scene, there is a full skinned human body complete with a severed penis attached. So if that is your thing, then you should definitely check it out. And it one final note about this movie is that it takes it takes place in the same cinematic universe as Psycho. There you go. As one line is said by the old mechanic guy um, when they ask if there's any hotels around in the area, the guy says, well, there's that old Bates place out on the old highway. Boom, cannon. So if you like this kind of trash, definitely check it out. I have a lot of fun watching it. Um, so I think you would too if you like this kind of cinema. So check it out, 1990s. Skinned Alive. And that is it, folks. That is it for this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys and girls. And thanks for the attackers who keep the lights on for us and keeps this show going. Not just financially, but in our hearts. Mm -hmm. Knowing that you guys actually care. We keep our heart (laughs) lights on. That's right. Uh, You can find us... all over the place on the internets, threads. <laughs> I put it to first. It down. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> YouTube, X, Facebook, the Tickety Talks, Instagram. We are everywhere. 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 All right. Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Oh, no. Could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer.